thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauli and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com, as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. In this business, leaders are often telling individuals that want to get into sports, it's not always about the sport you absolutely love or grew up playing that will be the one you work in. Our next guest played basketball his entire life, but has spent the majority of his career not working in basketball and has had a very successful career. I'm excited to have our next guest, Aaron Lampkin, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Seattle Sounders. Aaron, welcome to the show. Hey, Travis. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about uh, the trajectory I had within the, the sports industry and uh, some exciting things that, uh, you know, hopefully will help others uh, ultimately get to where I am and further than that. Absolutely. And certainly appreciate your time today. And you know, thanks for being here. We're excited to jump into your career. Let's start from the beginning. You grow up actually right where you're at right now in Seattle, Washington. You always had a basketball in your hand. So what made, motivated you early on to find a way to have a successful personal and professional life? Sure. I, um, you know, I always told myself if I couldn't make it being a basketball player, then I wanted to at least work in sports. And I wanted that same feeling of being a professional. And for me, it wasn't necessarily just on the playing surface. And I look at like my background and where I came from and my family dynamic. Uh, nobody had ever came into the sports industry. Uh, my dad was the first ever to, to go to college and ultimately didn't graduate. Uh, my mom, she had three kids by 21. And although she was a standout track star in junior high school and in her early years of high school, didn't ultimately uh, get to live the life that she she had wanted to or envisioned. And for me, you know, I got a chance to start from scratch. And I knew that um, if I was able to have a, a solid career, uh, not only that, the people I grew around, my, my friends, um, I had a lot who were locked up early on. Um, and they were just experiencing a lot of the hardships of being, you know, in, in a tight financial situation. And um, I wanted to make sure that in my life, as I went forward, that I was an example that ultimately could say, hey, this isn't the life. This is the life we were given. It's not the ultimate, the life that we would live. And so since that, I've chased that dream while in the sports industry. And um, hopefully it's a blueprint, so to say, for anybody else who's in my family or my friend group or came from my community as they go forward in, in life. No, and we'll certainly get to that blueprint that, that you've laid out in your career. And 
you know, back then you end up going to Johnson Wales University, you play on the men's basketball team. And obviously playing anything collegiately is, is a lot of time and effort and energy. And so how was that experience playing at the college level? And what are some key learnings that you still apply to your everyday? It was hard. Uh, <laughs> Period point of like mic drops, right? <laughs> very hard. Uh, you know, you wake up at 545 in the morning, you're dressed and ready, team on the baseline. Uh, you got practice until noon. Uh, from there, you go into your studies. And so, um, honestly, it was this time balance. And for me, my, my route was a little untraditional. Um, I initially went to a college here in Washington, and then I got hurt. Went out to Colorado, was at a national JUCO, which um, is, is tough. You have a lot of superior athletes who are all trying to make their way out. And you throw them into this boiling pot and you say, and so that's challenge uh, mentally. Uh, physically and then ultimately at Johnson and Wells it cleared up a little bit but you have to stay on that regimen and I think that's something that I've always taken away um, is set the goals and and we did it while we were collegiate athletes is you're setting so small goals daily goals hourly goals which is crazy to think about but like if you can translate that into your professional career you're ultimately going to set yourself up for some success resiliency um, there's a lot of pitfalls, you know, where you want to go out, you want to be the star of the show and you have to really work in a team environment and see how you're a piece of the puzzle and how your piece can continue to, to work towards that completion. And so I, I really took those small things away in goal setting, resilience, um, and then ultimately community um, and having, you know, a group of people that you can rely on, depend on. And that goes two ways is you have to show yourself true in order to ultimately gain you know, the respect uh, of those individuals. And so um, it was hard to say the least, but I want to trade it for anything. I feel like it's ultimately what set my work pace um, and my backbone of who I am um, in the industry. And so um, I loved it, but it was definitely a challenge. Um, and it opened my eyes, you know, on the other side of that is, you know, you go into college and everybody I think feels like they're going to be, you know, LeBron James. <laughs> And uh, reality sets in. And so yeah. for me, it was, how do you deal with that reality? And when, you know, your expectations don't meet reality, um, how do you continue to persevere and push push forward? And so um, that's something I took away. Um, and again, when it changed the experience or anything, but it was very hard to say the least. Yeah, no, absolutely. And to your point, you, it taught you a lot of things of how to apply to your everyday, even though you know, the NBA dream didn't happen. You're still working through it. And you, you study sports, entertainment, and event management. And, you know, then the, being there, Crocky Sports and Entertainment's in your backyard uh, with, with you overseeing a variety of teams in the NHL, the NBA, the MLS. And you end up receiving an internship with the Colorado Rapids at the MLS. So why a soccer internship for you? Yeah, um, it's interesting. So to go back a little bit, that LeBron James story, as soon as I realized I was not going to be LeBron James, I, I graduated early and I said, I want to be effective in this industry to, you know, where we started out in my background and I want to be a professional. And uh, the Rapids had an opportunity. Johnson and Wells University is located out um, about uh, maybe 10 miles from uh, Dick Sporting Goods Park. Yep. And um, I told on my team, I said, like, I'm, I'm about to get an internship. I'm about to work in sports. And they all laughed at me. And I said, I'm going to show up. So I left practice early, went home, put on my suit and tie, came back. And the Rapids walked right past me. Uh, <laughs> opportunity. And I'm like, oh, no, it's over. 
So I walk up and I'm like, hey, here's my, my resume, my application. And I had a little bit of background. My, my uncle had played for a small team in the USL, uh, Spokane Shadow. Okay. And so growing up watching the sport, but didn't necessarily uh, have an affinity for the sport. Um, I was a hooper. And, um, you know, it was also an opportunity that I saw is, hey, if I can get in and begin as an internship and show my worth to, to this organization, maybe there could be an opportunity for me to get into the NBA. Maybe there could be an opportunity for me to get into the NHL. And so when I just saw this, I was like, you look at the sports industry, you see a lot of single single market teams, right? And you look at Kroenke and it's like almost wherever you want to go in sports, there's an opportunity there. So as an intern, I really looked at that opportunity um, to really get in and say, hey, I want to learn which there was a lot of learning opportunities at the Rapids. And then ultimately, could it open some doors for me to move into some some more established leagues at the time? So it was a huge interest spot. And I said, hey, Rapids, here I come. And, and the rest was history from there. <laughs> As you say, to your point, the rest is history. You were able to certainly make a splash and, and you know, really prove yourself because post that internship, you're offered a full-time opportunity. So, so first, What's your advice to listeners on just crushing the internship they, to receive that full-time opportunity within that organization? Yeah, I, I love this question because I get it all the time. And I am somebody who opens up at least two, three times a week where I do mentor calls. And it's a question that comes up from a lot of um, those who are looking to get in the industry, those who've already been in the industry. And um, I would say the first thing about the internship, especially for students, is you want to make sure that you get into a field that you, you're passionate about and you also know what it entails. And I think it's very hard to not take an internship and then get into something and it ultimately work out for you because there's going to be pain points. So it gives you a chance before results are on the line necessarily to, to make those connections and to understand exactly what you're going to be getting yourself into for the long term. I'd say the other thing is uh, you get a chance to meet with decision makers. Um, and a lot of times when you're in an organization, uh, you mo- might not get that FaceTime with your president, your CEO, your chief revenue officer. As an intern, you have an excuse to constantly be having a conversation with them. Right. Hey, I just want to learn, you know. And so there's a yeah, lot a of sponge, a sponge, you know, they're, they're pro. They love the proactiveness. And so if you seek that out and truly try to have like solid relationships, not a, I just want to learn. But like, I also want to get to know you as a person, you have an opportunity as an intern that you may not get in your professional career um, because you have the day to day that you have to really focus on. And the goal of your internship is learning. And so um, I would also say is like, that's a big one for me. I took six internships. Um, So diversity of internship is big. And it goes again to understanding truly what you want to do in life is like, use that opportunity as an intern to go into marketing, to go into sales, to go in to operations, whatever you want to do. At one point, I was going to Denver East High School and I was handing out quarter pounders as a marketing initiative for McDonald's, the Lion Canta um, promotion that they had going on. And it was a chance for me to get to learn and understand the community. And so I say like your internship is pivotal. And like I look at the the people you meet in the industry in your internship, like I looked at my professors And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how can I learn? You know, what are the steps and the pitfalls you had in your career? How can I avoid and and navigate through that? And ultimately, I think that's what led to like my trajectory in the the industry. It's I haven't been around for very long, but I've continued to move and elevate. And it's because I use my internship 
in every leg of my career to continue to ask those questions and to learn and be a sponge and, you know, again, have personal relationships where, you know, you get beyond the surface level. This is how you do the job, but this is how you have a work-life balance. This is how you have a family within the industry. This is how you continue to reinvest your funds and your finances for financial literacy. And so I really looked at it from that angle. And I would say anybody, get the most out of your internship, take as many as you can, because it's ultimately going to help you navigate your way throughout the industry. You know, and Aaron, ton of great advice there. And I think one of the things you hit on is, you know, you went and had six internships. And we talk a lot about in this business going above and beyond. And that's always my advice to every college student I ever come across is gain as much experience internships, even if it's just job shadowing experiences, you can, because you don't want to go to your point, go get a job. Because it's like, well, I interned in marketing. And then you get there and you're like, I don't like this or in sales, like gain as much exposure and experience as you can. And, you know, then obviously you dominated your, your internship there with Cronky Sports. You get to the opportunity to start an inside sales with Colorado Avalanche and the Denver Nuggets. So you got kind of the MBA, but then after only a few short months, you receive a promotion to work full time in the NHL with the Colorado Avalanche. And so it seems like your path was was set. You know, your, your dream was getting the ability to work in basketball. Why did you make the transition to the hockey side? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think about that all the time. And I'm incredibly grateful that I did not go uh, the NBA route initially. Um, for me, it was that dream, like you said. Um, finally, I'm in the NBA um, I've, I've, I've made it. I'm a professional. And um, David Burke, who was, uh, you know, the, the chief revenue officer at the Rapids when I was an intern. Previous and, guest on 52 Weeks of Hustle. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, he was chief revenue officer and I got to spend some time with him. And uh, he ultimately came over to the Colorado Avalanche as a vice president. And at the time he said, Aaron, you know, I, I would love for you to work in services. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like services at the time it wasn't the sexy job necessarily it's you're more so just answering questions that are coming in and he said you know I said I'm a seller like I love to just get after it and he says like you you absolutely can't and it might create more career upside for you and um, learning to sell within the base and practicing your your sales skills elsewhere on the other side of that you know I knew basketball I had a lot of passion for basketball and you know, I wanted to be an effective leader. I can always go into basketball. I know how to sell, but I wanted to learn the sports business. And so being in a sport that I didn't necessarily could rely on, like my passion, so to say, I had to be really effective and really good at my job. And so for me to go to the NHL route, um, ultimately was to try to learn as much about the business as I possibly could, make sure that the best practices that I was putting into play weren't because I was like overly passionate and had this background in the sport, but because it was built on value and it's built on value in, in the client and built on value within the organization. And so ultimately going the route that wasn't what I was so comfortable in allowed me to learn more about the business, which ultimately made me more effective um, in, in, in revenue generation and in service. So uh, for me, it was more so about a learning opportunity than anything. Yep. And the goal is if you learn enough business name, there will be an opportunity in the NBA down the road. And uh, I'll be happy to jump into it because I'll now have taken the practice and taken the time to learn the industry that I can be more effective leader and in the sport that I ultimately am the most passionate about. 
you know, and to the point at the end of the day, you've got to have a passion for your craft first and foremost, which is going to right. make you successful. And you, know, and you go on to have a successful four years with the Avalanche first as a membership service executive and then as manager of membership services. And so then as you get into leadership, what intrigued you about the coaching and coaching and mentoring role? Yeah, I, um, I'll go back a little bit to my playing days. I was a point guard. Um, and so I was used to that. Even before that, I'm a son of a preacher's man. I was uh, holding, you know, Bible studies and youth camps. And um, in my, my time in the summers in school, I'd go back and I'd work for the Boys and Girls Club. And so for me, that, that leadership was something I had an affinity for. It's something I had practiced my whole life. Um, as being, as in, in my industry, seeing that that was the next opportunity to grow and impact lives, I was like, this is, this is totally what I want. And I really had a passion for that. I had excelled on the individual performance side. And, and candidly, it just wasn't enough. Um, I wanted to have more of a role of helping people shape their careers and what they wanted out of life. And so it, it presented that opportunity um, as well. There's a little bit more pressure that comes, comes with being in management. And I want that pressure. I was eager for that pressure. And um you know, ultimately, it's kind of what led me to be that way. I take no, no financial move that yep. I get into management um, or anything. That's like certainly that. not the case when you get into management. No, it's <laughs> like that, honestly, you know, your reps make more than you and being yep. excited about your reps, you know, exceeding and, and them taking home more and just growing in their careers is something that like I'm passionate about is the people. And so for me, that was big. And then also seeing the leaders that I had in front of me, a Jody, a Burke, a Sean Reen, seeing how they had grown their, their careers, you know, and that they were cut from a similar cloth and wanting to just take care of me. And I seen that that how they took care of me is what I wanted to ultimately do to somebody else yeah. early in their career and pay it forward and maybe even do it better. Right. Um, really right. high bar. And so that was another challenge that I, I wanted in management. And that's ultimately what led me to take that route. No, that's awesome. And Aaron, as you think back to your time, you know, both, both first is the manager membership services, and we'll dive into the rest of your, your leadership career, your first management gig, a lot of challenges, obviously, and it's a, a new experience. What is something you wish you knew, you know, then that you do now from a leadership perspective? Oh my gosh. Um, I would say that it's not fatal. Um, and when I first started management, uh, everything was just needed to be perfect. And I was just so intrigued with making everything just perfect. And the reality is, is life isn't perfect. And the reality is us as human beings aren't perfect. And, and if I knew that early on, I probably would have a little bit more of a hair. I started in the industry with the mini fro, yeah. uh, so uh, I probably wouldn't have a gray hair, but I stressed out on a lot of a lot of everything being perfect um, versus everything just progressing and reflecting and then ultimately building processes and systems that, you know, allow you to cut down the inefficiencies or where something isn't perfect. And I wish I would have knew that early on. I, I candidly like I'm glad I didn't because it, it allowed me to now reflect. And, and now I know that going forward and each level that I've grown throughout the industry, that's something that's been true each time and how you think about that. The other thing that I would say is how important people are. I'm somebody who's always been passionate about people, but everybody has a different motivation style. Um, everybody has a different why. And I think sometimes in, in leadership, you jump in and you're like, I'm just going to manage. 
And, uh, you know, for me, I, I wish I would have learned even a little bit earlier. It's like, how do you treat each person as an individual versus like as a department? And as I learned that over my career, I've been more effective as a leader um, in understanding somebody's why and motivating through that versus motivating through the goals that I want or need them to accomplish. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Aaron Lampkin, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Seattle Sounders. And Aaron, you know, Crocky Sports and Entertainment, great organization. You start as an intern, you built yourself up into a career path. You spend almost five years there with the organization. Then you get the chance to head home, head home to Seattle. Was that always a dream of yours? It was always a dream, and I'll even pedal back. I was a ball boy for the Sonics way back in the day. Nice. <laughs> when the Sonics That's left, awesome. I was actually working a basketball camp with Nick Collison, talking about the new NBA ball when they went to the European-style basketball. Um, and so it was always a dream of mine when I left to be able to come back. And um, the Sounders a phenomenal brand. And so when the Sonics left, I didn't know, I didn't know how that would look. I didn't know if it was ever going to be a reality. And ultimately, when the Sounders had uh, the belief in me to bring me back home, it was incredible. Um, and I'd say beyond just the team side of it is to be around my family again. I've been away for 12 years and yeah. uh, I nieces and nephews now uh, who are growing up. And so that side of it um, was awesome. And then I think the last thing is like, you know, you have that passion. It's your team. It's your city. Uh, yeah. When your team succeeds, you feel it. When your team fails, you sit, you feel it. And so to, to ultimately uh, be able to impact the community I grew up with, with a professional career and what I do for a living, it's a dream come true. And I hope everybody at some point in their career gets a chance to work for their home team. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, as, as you first get out to Seattle, you become their director of ticket and premium sales. And so given that you've developed your career more on the service side, membership experience, manager membership experience, how is the transition and I guess what were you doing as a manager of membership services to be ready for a director of a new sales route? Yeah. Um, well, first thing I'm going to go ahead and put an asterisk. I think the best sellers in the industry come from service. Um, all my service people who are listening, <laughs> let's go. Uh, and so for me, it was really applying those skills that I learned on the sales end and uh, value proposition. It's the same. Right. And, uh, you know, on one side on new business, you have a quicker time to really undercover that value on the services side to get a little bit more of a longer runway. You have more touch points to build the rapport, which I think 
in sales and relationship building in general, rapport is something that you you need to be successful. And so um, I was really teaching that value proposition in the sales mindset. Uh, we were a full menu team as well. Um, so they were selling any and all products. And so um, what was great about Kroenke is you had other leaders and we all trained in our, in our silos and then we trained in other products. And so getting that understanding and knowledge and ultimately coaching that to my team is what led to some successes. And so um, when it, the opportunity ultimately opened up to come over and, and focus on new business, I was really excited because I wanted to prove to the industry exactly what I had said before, that your best sellers come from the service side of things because they handle objections at a really high volume. Uh, they have to find value proposition in order to keep a member. Um, you have first and second year accounts that have high expectations and you have to understand how to set those expectations to, to ultimately keep somebody for a long time within your base. And so uh, it was the basic principles of the sales process. They were true on the service side. And so I was eager to ultimately show, you know, the industry that, you know, it translates and it, and it translates well. Um, and that's ultimately what, what we did in, in coming to Seattle and still getting those same results. You know, it's, it's always an, an interesting banter and dialogue, right? Who are the best sellers? You know, what departments they come from and what are the best leaders come from? And, you know, it's a little bit of, it's a fun banter, but it's also at the end of the day, if you're a good sales and service person, you can sell and service everything. You can sell, you know, the best sellers that I always take every time an entry-level sales staff starts, sell everything, sell seasons, sell groups, renew your partial plans at a high level. And then you can pick which direction you want to go and in path yes. you want to go. But if you can sell, you can sell anything. So, you know, Aaron, after a year and a half, about a year and a half there, you receive the opportunity to oversee all of ticket sales and service. And then ultimately you become the vice president over the last year. So how is that transition from, you know, you kind of talked about transition already from membership experience to, to new sales now transition to overseeing all of the revenue verticals. How was that transition for you? It was hard. Um, it was like playing college basketball. Yeah. Uh, is there was a lot of a lot of challenges and there was a lot of processes that I had to learn. And you know, there's slight tweaks in the process. Now, for me, six months after coming to call coming to Seattle, I had an opportunity to um, begin being the head of ticketing um, at that point. And so uh, you know, two years prior to the, the title ultimately meeting up with me, I had already begun overseeing revenue. Yep. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is, again, going back to people's why, it's more people. Um, you know, I went from, uh, you know, managing 16 um, to ultimately managing 30 um, and understanding, like, what is that specific leadership style for each segment of our business? Um, you know, I was eager. I was very eager to succeed. Um, but I was ready to fail um, in meaning that um, I knew that I didn't I didn't have all the answers. Um, I knew that I had somebody who was great in groups. I knew I had somebody who was great in new business. I knew I had somebody who was great in services and really just motivating those leaders and, and having, a, a, a I guess, a, a personality that I can come in and I can learn. Um, and so that that took failing. Um, it took, hey, there's a different way, a different process. And in challenging myself to say, hey, let's get out the box and let's do it. And yep. worst scenario, like I failed, but like I learned early on in my career that it's not fatal. Right. And so, um, you know, it was it was hard, but it was also like intriguing. I wanted to see how we could move the needle. I wanted to see if the same process that came from, you know, services that went into new business can now 
be over everything. And so um, it was challenging, but I, I think it was something that was needed um, in my career and a challenge that I, I wanted to take on. And I had a, a great group that was under me that made me look like a superstar. Um, and it's really just learning from those people on, on my team. And that's a perfect transition to the next process and, and topic we want to talk about is, you know, every stop you've made, Aaron, you've had a great ability to retain your know, top talent as well as hit top level goals for both new sales and renewals. What do you feel like you and your team have done on such a consistent basis to achieve those milestones? It's going to sound a little bit abstract, but Travis, for me, it comes down to family and uh, not to get too, too personal here on 52 weeks of hustle, but I'm going to get personal. I appreciate it. Appreciate the vulnerability and transparency. hundred percent. And and for me, it's uh it's really getting to know each person and getting to know their, their life. And what I always say about my management style is I'm not here to make you the most successful person in sports. I'm here to make you the most successful person in life. And if there's anything that I can do to help you out in life, and if that's if I need to go get my truck on a weekend to help you move locations, if that's that, you know, you're you're having a tough time with your family and you need to have that midnight call um, that I'm available. Um, if that is, hey, this is where I want to go and, and it may not be in sports anymore. I'm willing to have that conversation and I'm willing to take off my, hey, I'm your, your boss and let's let's talk about this in life and I think what it's done to my team it's allowed them to feel comfortable coming to me with with new ideas with innovation coming to me and being vulnerable themselves because they can trust that I'm not going to necessarily hold it against them I'm going to talk and I'm going to say hey here's some red tape and here's some guidance which then from there it's like the, the job becomes easy because they know they're taken care of in life and I think so often in sports there's such this blend of, hey, you come into work and it's nine to five, work, work, work. And the reality is, it's like, no, you have a very tough job in sports and you need to have that work-life balance. And when you have that work-life balance, it's easier to focus on the goals and what comes out of the work side of it. And so for me, like, I know a mantra we have in Seattle is family. We wear the family t-shirts around and everything. Yep. I'd say personally, it's true. And, and that's the, the, the leadership you're going to get in me. If, if there's something that you say, and, and I agree with it, I'm going to let you know. If there's something that you say and I disagree, I'm going to let you know. And I feel like it's important to have that standard and it's important to be transparent and say, hey, this is what's going on. I want you to, to understand, uh, you know, this background um, and this perspective. And like you can choose to do X, Y and Z. Like, how do you feel about it? You know, is like just leaving it is like, this is what you can do is how do you feel about that? And ultimately helping guide that way. And I, I always say, Travis, I never look at the numbers. Um, I never look at the goals and I've only missed goal two times ever in my career. And it's because I focus more so on the family, the person and the goals will happen. Yep. The rest will come. Everything also fall into place. It fall into place. And so that's my leadership style. And maybe that's what led it chances are I just have a really, really strong group of people who are really good at their jobs and, and ultimately hit those goals. Well, and to the point of having really strong people, you know, as you think about as your time as a leader and whether it's, you know, back at the avalanche days or now, what are some of those key characteristics you're looking for and some of the most successful people? Yeah. Uh, resiliency. Um, it, it takes a lot of resiliency in and out of sports. Um, I love the 52 weeks of hustle because like, that's what it takes. It takes hustling every single day. It takes being passionate every single day. And so I want to hear that. Um, every time I interview somebody, I stop on what is your why? 
And if it's a surface level answer, I say, I'm going to ask you that question again. What is why? And I realize a lot of people haven't spent the time to necessarily think about their why. But for me, the people I look for and bring it on to my teams is people who spent that time thinking about their why. They've maximized their internships. Uh, they continue to seek networking opportunities. They're willing to do the work for free because it's going to be a learning opportunity down the road. Yeah. Uh, I look for all of those. And then on the other side of that, I think it produces innovation. And so I want to hear the group who's like, hey, you know what? I know what you do in sports, but we should do it this way. Great. Why? How? Let's brainstorm on that. and Let's collaborate and challenge and communicate with each other to figure it out. Yes, 100 percent. And so those are some of the qualities that I, I look for um, and just go getters, you know, people who necessarily haven't had everything handed to them in their life and, and had to work for it a bit. It's like those are the people I want to work with because that's my background and that's how I can best motivate. And so I look for those qualities and ultimately I've been able to find those uh, throughout my career. And one of the greatest things I hang my hat on is, is not necessarily you know, what people were able to do in my program, but after they leave my program and that they're able to go on and grow their careers and have successes, it's all of, they had that before. They came and they work with somebody who's like-minded, who's going to push them. And ultimately they continue to go on and be a more furbished product as they go on in their career. No, that's awesome. Well, Aaron, you've certainly had a great career thus far. I feel like it's only just getting started. What would you say as you look back, it's been your best memory? Woo! Best memory. Um, I'm from Seattle. Um, coming back home, my first year being back home, um, we had a very tough year. Um, end up going on a 14 game win streak, um, going into the playoffs. Um, and ultimately, we get to host the cup right here in Seattle. Um, to one, hold your Super Bowl of events is unreal in sports. And then to get to win. And to win right here in front of my family, in front of my friends, in front of my community, um, it, it felt amazing. There's so many people in sports who don't ultimately get to put that ring on. Yeah. Uh, it's all said and done. And to be able to, to sit there, a little bit of story. I, I walked in. I was late. We were coming from a wedding. And um, I got in about half. And uh, my wife and I are walking down to the seats. And it's zero zero. And we see the first goal go in as we walk in and sit in our seats. And so unreal experience. Yeah. I hope everybody gets a chance in some point in their career to even go to the finals and win it. But to host it at home is, is unreal and something I will never forget. That's awesome. What an amazing experience and, and such a great journey you've had. And I know a big mentor to many. So to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Yikes. I'm ready. Here we go. When you get a day off, what's the first thing you're doing? Watching sports, psych. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, no chance. No chance. Uh, I'm, I'm either on the Peloton or I'm walking my dog. All right. What was the last bucket list item you've completed? Ooh, I, uh, I got to go um, snorkeling in the Indian Ocean. Um, I only stayed in the water for five minutes, but I did it. Um, so that's one that will check off the Check it off. <laughs> Who is one person you would love to have dinner with? Um, can I use somebody who is, uh, who's no longer living? Of course. Uh, I would say Nelson Mandela, uh, love to pick his brain and just have an open conversation. Great. Well, to close it out, Aaron, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Uh, bring your passion every single day. 
um, would be one, crystallize your why. Who are you? What motivates you? What drives you? Um, what is the thing that picks you up when it's 6 a.m. and you are dog tired and you want to hit the snooze? What's that thing that gets you out of bed? The last thing that I would say is, is be willing, be open and willing um, to do anything, to learn from anybody um, and, and open your network up and be also willing to be vulnerable um, and share your story and share, you know, some of the, the areas of, of growth um, or opportunities of growth that you have that you need to work on. And so I maybe gave you five there, but I would say that that combination is what I would say to everybody. Um, and if anybody ever wants to chat with me about that personally, I am always open to a conversation um, and eager to chat with any and everybody. And we appreciate that. And that's what I always love about every 52 weeks also guest is, is the willingness. So, so listeners out there, please reach out to him. He, he will take advantage of it. And you know, to your point of advice, have that passion. What is your why? Why are you here? Why are you in the, in the office every single day? And in your openness to, to learn your willingness to go above and beyond and Thank you so much, Aaron. You've had a great career. It's a pleasure talking to you, and I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today, Travis, and you've been a mentor of mine throughout the industry and my time and my career, and so it's great to sit down with you and have a, a conversation on the other end of that, and so I appreciate everything you've done for me in my career. No, it's been a lot of fun, and again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.